You are listening to the Nirvana Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4, Non-Album Tracks, Part 2. Hello everybody and welcome to the Nirvana podcast. My name is Sietse. And I'm Yuditja. And today we are going to talk about songs that could have been on Nirvana's album Nevermind but are not. Yes, or as I like to call this episode, the Courtney Love giveaway episode. <laughs> Ooh, a nice teaser. Yeah. But before we're going to get started, uh, you know what we haven't done for a while? Um, no. Ask our listeners to uh, subscribe to our show or to... Uh, Good point. Uh, rate our show or write a review or share our show on uh, on their social media uh, feed. Do, do you think we, we should do that or? Mm, yeah, let's do that. Let's ask them. Okay. Dear listeners, uh, if you like this show, uh, please uh, give us a nice uh, review, uh, subscribe to our channel and uh, share our show on your social media channels. If you want to, if you don't want to, then just don't. We'll, we'll like you just as much. Yeah. Definitely. But we would really appreciate it if you help us uh, find more people who might be interested in our uh, in our podcast. Yep. So that being said, uh, let's uh, let's get started. Shall we just kick off with the first song that could have been on uh, Nirvana's legendary Nevermind album, but for some reason isn't? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's uh, have a listen to a song called Verse, Chorus, Verse. So there you have it. It's a song that Kurt wrote, I think, around 1990, maybe uh, uh, 1989, something like that. Yeah. In a, during a period in which he wrote a lot of songs and a lot of good songs, and most of those songs uh, ended up on uh, on Nevermind, but they never um, made like a definitive recording of this song. Do you think they should have gone on with it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good song. The fact that they sort of kept it close, um, suggests that they liked it themselves as well. But I can also see why it didn't make the cut, because it does resemble a couple of other songs that did end up uh, on the album. Which which one are you thinking of? It's the general sound of it, I guess, like the, the chords that we all sort of know and love of Nirvana. This is a, a quintessential Nirvana song. So... I think in order to have this one really make the cut, it should probably have had something extra that it doesn't have yet. But it could have if they workshopped it more. Um, yeah. Because it's, the, the, it's the a nice The drumming song. reminds me a bit of what um, Dave Grohl is doing uh, on uh, Drain You. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a, bit of, a bit of a similarity. Yeah, I think it, it, it feels like... 
some things on either on this song ended up on other songs or other songs had the same idea, that sort of doesn't make it stand out. I think also one of the reasons, I mean, obviously we will never know for sure, but um, in, this song is called First Chorus First. Well, we've, we've had that name uh, pop up a couple of times before. It was an idea of a title for the album. Uh, there is actually another song that got released under the name First Chorus First, which is confusing for people who don't know that. That's the song that's most commonly known as Sappy. I think they l- later renamed that song as Sappy. So that makes this the official song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. First but Chorus First. But it's sort of... Everything about it feels not completely focused yet. It's like a, a bunch of ideas that, that ended up in this song and, and for some reason never really made it to a proper recording and a proper inclusion. I do think that the song deserves a proper recording. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we just yep. heard, it's like a, a, a not even a demo. I think it's like um, something that they just tried in the studio with uh, a scratch uh vocals exactly and then simply abandoned it didn't go through with it and that's why we have like a half-hearted recording of this yep which is fine the way it is i think i mean i'm 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 glad we have that recording at least um i do think that the song deserves uh, a bit more effort maybe yeah and a proper recording they for sure could have used it as a b-side yeah definitely it's even like you said it because this is just a session recording, um, it sounds already a bit better than just a session recording. So imagine what they could have done with it if they properly recorded it. And also, I think there's lyrics in there that that are interesting. So yeah, it could definitely be a B-side for sure, even if it hadn't yeah. uh, ended up on the album. Yeah. Are there any lines um, from the lyrics that stand out to you? Damn, I didn't write it down. Um <laughs> So forgive me if I don't quote it correctly, but it's you're the reason I feel pain feels so good to feel again. Something like that. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. Ah, thank you. <laughs> One well, we just heard me. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a really, that's a really good line. There are more good lines in this, but that one specifically stands out as, as a typical Kurt Cobain line and also one that has a lot of meaning in there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting enough to um, to have been worked on a bit more and, and uh, got a better rendition of it. Then again, the key question we ask in this, uh, these three episodes about non-album tracks is, should it replace a song on the actual album? In this case, Nevermind. And the problem with that is that Nevermind is such a strong album with such great great songs that it's really hard to yeah to make like the, the argument of well hey they, they put this or that song on and that's just more <laughs> yeah. like filler material so yeah yeah exactly this is just as good or better the song like this in in a rudimentary version is really hard to compare to the real deal on the album but i i do agree with what you said like it could have been an interesting b-side so yeah perhaps and and maybe I, w- I wouldn't rule out the the possibility that if they had worked on it a bit more that it would yeah it would qualify in my eyes to uh, to be included on the album and like you said um the band kind of liked the song i mean they liked it enough to bring it to the session and record it um and also liked it enough to play it live on 
they didn't play it live a lot, but uh, they did sometimes. Uh, I've got a recording from a show in Seattle in uh, uh, 1990. Uh, on, uh, on which occasion they uh, they played it, um, and I want to listen to that too, especially like the the quiet break, which is an interesting part, I think, and yeah, could have worked really well if they had done something like that in the studio. I already compared the song to "Drain You," which has like um, uh, an in between part as well. So um, yeah, this could have been something like that. Let's have a listen. And just for the statistics, uh, what's your uh, final vote on put it on the album or um, leave it off? I'm sticking with B-side yeah. or hidden track. Yeah, or hidden track. But I wouldn't yeah. replace any song on the album for this. No, no, me neither. Um, so let's go um, on to the next song, which is an actual B-side, even in its youth. And it was a B-side to the... Um, smells like Teen Spirit single. So it got quite a big audience uh, because a lot of copies of that single were sold, of course. Let's check out the song first. So that was a song from uh, the same period, but uh, I think Kurt wrote it just a bit earlier because they already worked on it in uh, 1989 and tried to record it for their uh, Blue uh, EP. Mm-hmm. So this is a bit of an uh, an older one. And do you think it deserved a, a B-side spot on the Smells Like Teen Spirit single? Well, I think it's a smart move um, because it's slightly more non-commercial than Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it's not too noisy compared to some of their other songs. So I think it's a nice way to show their depth, but not scare away um, <laughs> people who bought the single. So from a commercial standpoint, I think it's it's quite a nice B-side. It's, it's a tight song. It works. It's good. It's not amazing, in my opinion, 
but it it does show what the band can do um i love the bass part uh, a lot of melodies in there which is which is nice um so yeah it it works for me yeah it works for me as well um i don't think uh, that it should have been on the album no nope. i totally get why they didn't put it on i also think that kurt may have been just a bit happy that they didn't put it on the album because he was was feeling uncomfortable when it became such a global success and people started uh, an- analyzing his lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this gives a lot of fuel for people who want to analyze the, yep. the words Kurt is singing and project that on his personal life and stuff like that. I mean, the relationship with his father was complicated and, and not, not too good. And I think this would have only fueled that part of the story and i don't think that kurt would have liked that a lot <laughs> no no i agree and i think what's interesting to me is that i mean there like you said this this is an older song there's different versions of it um and there are also different lyrical versions of it as far as we can actually make out what he's singing because that's not always clear enough what i find interesting about this song is if you hear those different versions is that you can also hear that um in part of the lyrics, the sounds and the rhyme and, and the rhythm are actually more important than the direct meaning. So there are lines in there. Um, I think I noted it down. Let me check. Yeah, he has like somewhere a line has been like left to lose, but also left to prove and also left to do probably. Those are three totally different meanings but they have the same rhythm and the same sound. So it's interesting that while the feeling of the song and the overall theme is definitely something that you can analyze, it also shows that the exact wording wasn't always about just meaning. So to have a song like this being analyzed is, yeah. Yeah, sure. But if, you think, uh, if you're singing, uh, Daddy was ashamed, he was something... Yeah, that kind of... Uh, that line never changed. <laughs> that line never nope. changed. And I think uh, the press uh, yeah, would have picked up on that. Yeah. Um, um, so let's um, listen to one of those um, earlier versions. Uh, like I said, they recorded this song already in September of 1989. There are two um, notable uh, differences in music, in the music, I think. First of that is that it's got more of an intro. And second of it is that there's no solo on it. On this version, and I think that's because it's a, it's a demo version and maybe Kurt hadn't worked out the solo yet or they didn't record it, I don't know. But um, here's the 1989 version. And the singing seems to be a bit more intense on this version, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This would have been Chad Channing on drums, I guess. I guess, but I, I always lose track of who's <laughs> drumming when on what yeah, recording. Me too. <laughs> well, at least we know it's not Dave. 
That's for sure. Yeah. Do, do you think there's a lot of difference between the drumming on the older version compared to the later one? Yeah, there is a difference. It sounds a bit um, like it's a bit more um, more open, I think. Uh, there's a bit more detail. Dave is more of a, a heavy hitter. So it makes it tighter. And here there's there's more openness in the drum, drum sounds, which I actually like for this song, I must say. Um, sort of works. Uh, makes it a bit different from a couple of other songs um, on the repertoire. I get why they skipped that intro, though, because that feels like it doesn't really fit this song. No, but it does seem to me that they more or less reused it. Yep. They I'm did. The first one to point out that it resembles what they did on uh, Endless Nameless, the bonus track on uh, on uh, Nevermind. And that could be because it was just something that Kurt liked to do on his guitar. It, yeah. I'm not really sure if it's like a, like something that you would write out no. and say, oh, I'm going to play this and that note. But uh, it does sound the same a bit. Yeah. I, I like it better That's, on Endless Nameless, though. It sort of is a better fit for me. Okay, well, well, let's let's listen to that fragment on uh, "Endless Nameless" in the in the version that they did in 1999 uh, during their John Peel session. Endless nameless, the noise goes on for quite a while, <laughs> yeah. and in uh, <laughs> and even in his youth, they uh, they go into the song uh, quite quite short after that. Yeah, I th I think you're right. It it's not a matter of like an exact copy or reusing it. It's just a, a way of of making sound with the guitar that sounds slightly the same. But I wouldn't I wouldn't call it like uh, reusing the same intro. No, me neither. No, uh, but I do think that it would have been a bad idea to put both parts on the same album because then people would say, oh, it's it's that same trick again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. good idea to not do that. So uh, let's follow the same procedure and first listen to a part of a live recording of this song um, and then uh, answer uh, the question, should it have been on Nevermind or did they make the correct decision by leaving it off? Um, I already um, I already mentioned that uh, in the 1989 version, there's no solo on there. They just play uh, the basic chords, even though in that same year when they played the song live, they did do the solo. So um, let's uh, let's check out the guitar solo and then uh, ask our key question and answer our key question. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
So what do you say? Replace a Nevermind song with this one or leave it uh, the way it is? Uh, I find this a hard one. No, I don't think it could replace a song on the album. I think it's great that it was a B-side. Um, I really like that solo. I think they maybe should have played the song more often because it's good. No, but not on the album. No. What about you? <laughs> Same here. Um, there's two more things I'd like to add. Uh, first of all, is that it also appeared on their uh, Hormoning uh, EP. Yeah, true. That was released in Japan and Australia, I think. Uh, and also that um, there's another uh, B-side on the um, Smells Like Teen Spirit single called Aneurysm, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, I think is maybe their best outtake and yeah. probably should have been on the album. True. But we're not discussing it on this episode of the podcast because we already covered that one when we were doing Incesticide. So that's why it didn't qualify for uh, <laughs> for this. Uh, exactly. But I, I, I like the fact that you're bringing it up because what you're saying is this shouldn't have been on the album, but aneurysm might have. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Only problem would have been, I think, Aneurysm should have been like a perfect opening song for any album. Yep. Agree. But they already had Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yep. And you can't beat that one. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think we can just conclude that the Smells Like Teen Spirit single was uh, quite awesome with having three songs on there that were all great. Absolutely. And may, maybe that even helped selling more more copies i don't know yeah. um, my brother used to have that cd single by the way really? i don't think uh, he's got it uh, anymore there should have been tons of those out there yeah but i never see it in a in a store or no it's a good store point. Or something no like that. i don't have it either so ah. they're not they're not valuable i i guess i mean no. big hits usually aren't no. valuable singles no, yeah. true. Well, if, if you're listening to this and you actually have it, let us know because I'd be interested to hear about that. Whether you bought it back then or did you buy it later on in a secondhand store? It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. And also, uh, send us a, your copy of the, <laughs> of the single. <laughs> it's, it's like with every episode, we, we keep begging for more stuff. I think yeah. it has to stop. <laughs> Normal people that have a, have a podcast, uh, they open up a Patreon account and ask people to to help covering the cost. But we're just asking for free stuff <laughs> that we never get. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's just what we do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, we're going to move on to our next uh, next uh, contestant, and that's uh, talk to me. And this is a bit of a, a special one, I think. Because they, as far as I know, never played this in a, in a studio or during um, nope. any session at all. They only played it live um, a, few, a few times. Yeah, there is apparently a demo version, but that never surfaced. So yeah, but that's only a rumor. Yeah, I'm very doubtful if it even exists. Yeah, maybe maybe one day it'll um, it'll surface, but uh, yeah, I I would be very very surprised. So we're left with uh, with. Just a couple of uh, live uh, recordings. And actually, that's the main reason, I think, why it took me a long time to realize that it was an original Nirvana song. Mm -hmm. I had heard the song on bootlegs, but I always just assumed that it was a cover song. Yeah. 
and I, I get why, um, also due to the way it sounds. Yeah. So let's listen to the way it sounds first and then yeah. uh, <laughs> talk a bit more about that. Only in the chorus, it starts to sound like a Nirvana song a bit. Yeah. Mainly because he starts screaming. But <laughs> apart from that, yeah, it, it sounds so un-Nirvana to me. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds un-Nirvana. It's, it's like 70s new wave, bit of talking heads in there uh, with some 50s influence in there as well, which was also part of the new wave that they had those 50s influences. Um it's incredibly different, but I Maybe love it. That's the reason why they never attempted to make a studio recording of it. Could well be. And I think you're spot on with saying like, I, I didn't even realize it was a song of their own because it's, it doesn't sound like a song of their own, but at the same time, it does feel like a song they would have covered if it wasn't their own. Hmm. <laughs> so it has this, this weird thing of being different, but but not different, I guess. If that makes sense. <laughs> nah, not not really. But, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Our, our listeners don't send us uh, CD singles of uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit anyway. Yeah, so true. So I can just ramble. <laughs> why would we even uh, bother <laughs> to try to make sense? No, but uh, I, I, I do get your point. And uh, I, I think that it was just Kurt trying something different. Yeah. And that he liked playing the song, but he didn't feel like it was a proper Nirvana song or, no. yeah, it, it wouldn't fit in their catalog, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that especially that would have been a problem. Um, it's really an outlier between other songs of that period, especially. So, yeah. By the way, uh, the reason I think that there is no studio recording of it at all is that this live version uh, eventually was officially released on the uh, box set. If they had a studio version, a demo, anything, they would have picked that one, I, I, I suppose. There could have been a demo of just Kurt singing it. Um, I think that if there is anything else, that is probably it. Just him doing this song. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Because it sounds like a song that wouldn't work with... Just Kurt and his acoustic guitars. No, it's all about the, the drum and bass here. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Love to hear that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm not very hopeful that we'll, uh, we'll ever, um, get to hear that. Yeah. So, so it's all we have the, it's the live, uh, versions. And uh, you want to check out another live version of this one? Yes, please. I'd like to thank you all for coming tonight and letting us pretend like we're still underground alternative rock pub stars. There's uh, t-shirts for sale and back stickers. We have singles on that. Do you know how much money we have? 
yeah, the, the quality of the audio uh, is obviously uh, a bit less than the previous version that we listened to. But uh, I thought it was an interesting uh, introduction to the song. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> which which year is this one from? Um, this live uh, performance? Yeah. 1992. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect moment to make jokes about merchandise. and uh, <laughs> Cool. And how much money they have. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, do you think it should have at least been brought to the Nevermind studio sessions? I would have loved to have a studio session of this because I really love this song. It probably should never have been on the album, but I wish there was a proper version of it because I, I would have loved to hear it played like really properly in, in a nice sound quality at least. It's it's weird and it's but it's it's cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um uh, do you think it would have fit the uh, catalog of uh, Iggy Pop? Yeah. I think it would definitely have fit his catalog and I get why you uh, didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have to agree. This would be a really good Iggy Pop song. Yeah, to make yourself clear, um, after Kurt's death, uh, uh, Courtney Love um, gave this song to uh, Iggy Pop. Mm -hmm. But he just said, well, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> exactly. I, I enough, think his, um, his official reason was the fact that he writes his own songs. Which is true. So, um, yeah, there would not have been a real reason to, to pick up a weird demo by someone else who had just died. Oh, <laughs> not, not even a demo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, yeah. um, I have no idea what Courtney sent him, but apparently Courtney did a recording of this song with Hole. Um, which oh, has really? been unreleased, um, in somewhere in the second half of 93. That version has never surfaced. So again, we're not sure, but I can imagine that if she indeed did her own recording of it, that perhaps that was the one she sent to Iggy Pop. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, I guess so. It would be interesting to hear whole play this yeah, song. Definitely. I think it, yeah. it could be a nice version as well. I, yeah. There's something in there that would fit their work as well. So, yeah. By the way, I, I, I do think it's a bit odd to just try to give somebody a song and not first check out if they're at least interested in it. No, no, but this is, uh, yeah, as, as we'll see, this happened <laughs> more often. And I think, um, I don't know when this, this happened exactly, but it feels like sort of, I think she's wanted Kurt Cobain legacy, I guess, to, to, to live on. And she wanted to, to have his songs that were never properly recorded or released, uh, be released. That's why she did her own versions of songs as well, I guess. Yeah. Didn't she also give a song to Mark Lanigan? Yep. Exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> we're going to get to that one as well. That was why I had the, uh, oh, <laughs> the subtitle of this, uh, of this, uh, episode. So, uh, yeah, so she just, she gave away a lot of songs, although nobody recorded them. So. That's interesting. <laughs> Interestingly enough, she wanted to give away a lot of songs, but not to the ex-Nirvana people. <laughs> no. I tried to check out if uh, Iggy Pop really never played this song, not even live or something like that, and uh, I really couldn't find it. He does have a song called Speak to Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's a completely different song, so, <laughs> okay, so totally, totally unrelated. Well, maybe that was the reason why he didn't want this one. It's like, I already have a song with sort of the same <laughs> title, so maybe he didn't even listen to it. <laughs> he just thought that she was like a weird fan trying to write sort of 
fan fiction songs for him. <laughs> <laughs> to close off this uh, section and uh, bring it into our discussion about Talk To Me, uh, I found another version on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, from the channel Riot Earth. And it's somebody who tried to patch the song together and polish the audio. So it's like, a, I think it's just a fan who likes to mess around with the music <laughs> okay. and the sound and um, this is what he did to uh, talk to me Kind of like the full guitar sound yeah, that he uh, nice. produced. Uh, Good one. Well done. There's some more uh, interesting stuff on his channel, uh, Riot Earth. And you have to spell riot with an exclamation mark instead of an I. So let's move on to the next song that could have been on Nevermind, but is not. And uh, it's D7. Like even in his youth, this song was released on the Harmoning EP. And it's a cover song by uh, The Wipers. Want to check out the original first? Yeah, let's do that. were the Wipers playing their own song D7, but Nirvana also recorded it. Um, again, for their uh, John Peel session for the BBC, um, they performed it. Let's uh, check that version out too, and then uh, see if uh, Nirvana should have put their cover version on their album.
First, uh, what version do you prefer, um, the Vipers or Nirvana? To be honest, they're quite similar. <laughs> I think I like the Nirvana version slightly more, um, but that's because it's slowed down a bit, and I like that tempo slightly better, and I also think it really suits Kurt's voice. But they are very alike, um, yeah. both versions. Well, the guitars are, are, are quite a lot louder on the Nirvana version. Yeah. Course, yeah. I personally think that the fact that it's a cover was a reason not to put it on the album. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it was considered putting it on the album. Um, and the reason that I'm saying that is that for their first album, there was one cover, yeah. uh, which was a love buzz. And I remember reading that Kurt was very disappointed that the record company uh, that they had uh, at the time, Sub Pop, um, picked a cover song to be the first single yep. and not one of his own compositions. So I'm guessing that's why, even though they liked playing covers and they were really good at it, in my opinion, at least, they didn't want to put it on their official albums anymore. No, no, I uh, I think you're totally right about that. Um, like you said, they like playing covers, but thankfully they did a lot of live shows and sessions where they roamed freely through the whole uh, catalog of, uh, of music between the, the 60s and the, and the 90s. So there was enough opportunity to do covers. Um, and I think it, it was a smart move to not include that, especially on a second album, because you could also be accused of not being able to write enough songs yourself. Which would have made no sense at all. No. Because, I mean... <laughs> We couldn't have done this episode if they were short on songs. Yeah, exactly. They, they kind of had too many songs around that time. Just from uh, the, these uh, podcast episodes about non-album tracks, you could have made some quite good albums, yep. I think. Mostly uh, Nirvana originals. I think this is the only uh, cover song that we're we're discussing. You suggested uh, uh, D7 to be on this episode. Uh, do you think it would have made a strong contender if you leave out the fact that it's a cover song, just as a song and the way they play it? Do you think it would fit Nevermind? Yeah, I, I think so. One of the things that works for this song that could have fit on the album is uh, the intensity of it and also the the change between the slower part and then the, the faster, heavier part. I think that that fits the rest of the songs really well. Also, the fact that all of the instruments um, are really clear, but then you get that heavy guitar sound, uh, the way Kurt sings it. I think that's all like really strong points. At the same time, I think that it would have complemented the songs, but there would also have been an overlap, probably. You get that sound in there that they have on a couple of their own songs as well. So I get why you wouldn't put this on the album. But like you said, if you act as if this would have been a Nirvana original song. Yeah, I think it could have worked. And which one would it have to replace? Yeah, that's a hard one. (laughs) I mean, it's easy to just name a song that I like less or whatever, but that would have put um, the whole album out of balance. So maybe that's also the problem with this song. The way that the album has been done, like the order of the songs. We talked about that when we when we discussed the whole album. I think that's been done very cleverly. And I'm not sure this would fit in the order. Yeah, well, let me say something that's probably a bit controversial. I mean, if you had to put this one on the album and replace a song, 
And I think it's a bit too easy to say, yeah, it should replace Endless Nameless as a bonus yeah. track. I mean, that's yeah, the safest that's, way exactly. out. It it would have been just fine as a bonus track, sure. But the whole idea was, let's kick in with a loud exactly. jam. <laughs> that's, so that's we're cheating. not going to do that. <laughs> then my vote would go to Come As You Are. And I know a lot of <laughs> people would hate me for it. Wow, okay. But I don't like Come As You Are as much as the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we and talked about that. And also, I think this would have worked in the in the song sequence. Yeah. Yeah. First you yeah. get Smells Like Teen Spirit, Kicking in the Door, Yeah. move on to In Bloom, mm. and then like Come As You Are, start a bit slower, Yeah. and then build it up to, again, a heavy song, and following up, uh, following it up by Breed to really, you know, knock everybody out. I think that's really interesting. Controversial, but interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's just whatever we're saying here, it doesn't have any actual consequences so it's easy to just let our mind wander and, and see <laughs> well, what it comes up well, with we've said before that that we are more than happy to like make new albums or like be the producer of a new cover version or whatever so you never know maybe dave will call us and and tell you like this is genius we should have done that so do you want to remaster <laughs> yeah. our next uh, yeah and, and and leave off uh, one of our most popular and iconic <laughs> <Exactly>. songs. <laughs> yeah, people are going to love it. Yeah, Well, then they, Dave can blame it on me. Yeah. <laughs> I like your suggestion because, like I said, I was struggling with, like, where would you fit it on? Uh, but I hadn't thought about taking off Come As You Are because, yeah, it's Come As You Are. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, you could also probably put it instead of uh, Lithium. But I just love lithium too much, so... Yeah, no, you can't yeah. take off lithium. <laughs> no. And for the vast majority of people, you can't take off uh, Come As You Are as well. No. Um, I do think that if they would have put on D7 on Nevermind, they should have gone for a, um, like kind of the version that we just listened to, only, well, recorded in the same way and produced in the same way, yeah. and not the experimental mix of D7 <laughs> oh, no. that's out there. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the one that we're going to listen to to uh, to say our goodbyes to uh, to D7. I I really don't know what the story is here. I just know that there's an quote unquote experimental mix of this song. I don't know who did it, why anybody did it. I have no My idea. My guess is that somebody at the BBC studios just thought, well, let's <laughs> let's see what happens if I just mix things up. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I don't know either, but it's uh, experimental. Yeah, uh, it sounds like this. Later, uh, Nirvana uh, recorded another uh, Wiper song, uh, 
uh, Return of the Red. I think we've discussed that on one of our previous yeah, episodes. Yeah, we did. And just the other day, um, I was thinking that I remember that when I was young and I during the summer holidays, I got a, a, a postcard from uh, one of my best friends and we were like both really into Nirvana and he was on holidays. I don't know in what, what, what country, but he was abroad and he sent a postcard and he wrote on it, P.S. I heard Return of the Red <laughs> and he spelled it R-E-D. Well, so, different. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking that yeah, it, it says something about the time we were living in back then yep. that you couldn't just go to YouTube and check out the song, but you knew that a song like that was out there and then you couldn't get your hands on it. And then somebody exactly. during your holidays had a recording of it. <laughs> yeah. And then you got to hear it and you were so excited that you wrote it on a postcard uh, to your friend at home. So uh, I just wanted to... <laughs> That's a good story. <laughs> ...to share that. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. So uh, we're going to move on to the next uh, song. Um, uh, this song is called Opinion. What is this song called? Oh, this song's called Opinion. Congratulations, you have won. It's a year subscription. I'll buy puns in a makeshift story. I'm concerned in the set it up before it burns. My opinions, mm -hmm. my opinions. Yeah, so that was a opinion. Yeah, obviously, and uh, there was uh, Kurt playing um, solo on his acoustic guitar, but it, it isn't a demo. It's a um, appearance that he made on a radio show, and he uh, he played some of uh, of his new songs. Then uh, one of them was Lithium, and he also played Opinion, which I think they never ever picked up again. No, no, there's no live versions. There's no demo versions that we know of. This is actually the song that you refer to um, that um, Courtney Love wanted to give to Mark Lennigan, um, yeah. which also never happened, or at least he never recorded it. So um, I don't know what the idea behind it was. Um, although I must say, just with uh, Talk To Me and now this one, I think she did have the right sort of matching idea because I could hear this being sung by Mark Lennigan. could be interesting. So I think she has an interesting taste in uh, doling out uh, <laughs> songs to, to other performers. But he never, uh, he never recorded them. it. So, uh, so we don't have a lot of this. That's kind of strange because Mark Lennigan and Kurt were friends. Yeah, yeah really good friends. I mean, that. yeah, they made music together before, so... I'm not really sure why he would refuse to do something with this song or at least try or. Yeah. Or maybe he just didn't. I mean, his, his own, um, interest in making music was, was waning during a long period as well. Um, I know that he and Courtney were good friends. Um, but there was also tensions like, with with everybody in that scene um so perhaps she was 
I don't know, to, she, she wanted it too bad to do him, to let, let him do it. And, and he couldn't, I can, I can understand that it can be like pressure to <laughs> like, yeah. so here's a, here's a song that nobody really knows done by my uh, husband, your best friend who uh, killed himself. Now uh, go do a recording of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can get why you wouldn't do that. <laughs> and also the fact that we know about that she tried to give it to Mark Lennigan says something about how indiscreet she was. Yeah. I mean, it would have made more sense if she called him up or, or set, set him down and said, wait, listen, there's this song and I think it would be great if you recorded it. And if you had actually said yes and had done it, then go out and make it public. I was actually thinking about it the other day that it could have been really interesting to hand out a couple of these lesser known songs to well-known artists and just make a sort of a tribute album. That could have been really interesting. So it's, it's for sure. if she pursued that, that, that could have been fun. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because there's quite a lot of uh, tribute albums out there and a lot of famous and not so famous bands have recorded Nirvana songs, but usually they go for the uh, official album tracks yeah. and not, not, not for stuff like this, which is a kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think so. But of course, uh, it would also have been great if we had a real Nirvana version of Opinion. Definitely. It's an interesting song. And it's a bit of a, a ghost song in that way that this is the only version that we know of it. Uh, I've never seen an interview with Kurt uh, in which he talked about it or anything. It's almost like he forgot about it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's even the case. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I mean, we've, we've talked about other recordings and like scratch lyrics and stuff like that. Um, in this case, it sounds like a song that is that is pretty well thought out already, lyrics-wise as well. So it feels like it's... It's already like something <laughs> demo-ish. Yeah. Um, so for him to just have uh, put it aside like that, um, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, I, I guess he didn't like it enough or no. like I said, maybe he forgot about it. Um, he was writing a lot of songs and a lot of good songs in that in that period of time. So yeah. m maybe that's why. But um, I'm very curious what direction it would have gone. I mean, I can see this staying a more or less acoustic song, but it could also be like a loud rock song. Yeah. My guess would be that they would turn it into a, a real rocker. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. If you listen to this, you can, you can imagine a, uh, a nice rocking song uh, out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have to completely imagine it because of course there are people who did pick up uh, this song, mm -hmm. like uh, a cover band called Two Bada. Um, they did it. I, uh, I found them uh, once again. I just grabbed it from uh, from YouTube. Um, they they made a made their own version of it, uh, and it sounds like this.
Yeah, they even added a solo to it. Yeah, nice. I I like this version. It it does sound like a uh, proper Nirvana version, even though the the whole problem with with versions like this and also some of uh, combined uh, versions that that we've played in in previous episodes of songs is that when as a fan you try to sort of mimic Nirvana, you actually get. Well, mimicking Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so that's what you hear here as well. Um, you hear bits and pieces of, of other stuff in there. But it it's nice. It gives a real nice indication of what it could have been. Cool. Yeah, they, they, they're, they have an interesting channel because, like I said, they're a cover band, but they like to uh, do really unknown songs or, in this case, even unfinished uh, songs. So, uh, Great. Yeah, you should uh, check them out. Nice. I haven't heard out. this one check before. It's cool. Yeah. And also, it um, it brought me to the idea that if um, the pandemic ever uh, ends, and it probably will, uh, hopefully as sooner, uh, rather sooner than later, um, that we should see if we can go to a Nirvana tribute band together one day. Yeah, that's a good if plan. If there's a good one out there. I, I, I don't really know if there's a lot of them out there or if they're any good, but... Once again, we can say to our listeners, like, if you are actually in a Nirvana cover band, let us know. Absolutely. And invite us and, and send us your Nirvana cover band. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we want even more CDs. Send them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just not, not even the CDs, just the, the, the band. The band itself. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, um, I, I, I do think that Opinion is a very promising song. Yep. But I also think that since we've only got that one solo acoustic performance of it, we can't really judge if it should have been on Nevermind or or not. No, no, definitely not. It's it's hard to uh, to say from this. Uh, and like you said, it, it's it's promising. And if you hear this nice filled out cover version of it, you can sort of imagine that it could have fit on the album, but it's not convincing enough yet to. Uh, well, maybe instead of come as you are, right? <laughs> it's like uh, you're trying to make me say that come as you are is like a throwaway song or is a, <laughs> the weakest song on the no, album. No, I'm not trying like to say. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just afraid that the angry emails are going to pour in as soon as this uh, uh, episode comes online. No, so, no, no. Uh, yeah. You are entitled to your opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. That's a, that's a bad pun. Yep. I'm proud <laughs> of it. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna, um, move forward to our, uh, last song. Yes. Um, that could have been on a uh, nevermind, but, but isn't. And I'm looking at my, uh, like at my screen and I've lined up like one, two, nine different versions and, and songs, um, uh, up and, and we, we we can't play them all. But I told you I wanted to have like one episode just about this song, but you wouldn't have it. So yeah, no, because then wh- where would it end? We'd be on a a slippery slope. <laughs> but uh, we are talking about old age, and uh, actually we've been talking about old age for quite a while, but always um, off the record. <laughs> you mean you mean you cut it out? <laughs> Or, or, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or we were sidetracking and then started to discuss old age and I 
thought, well, I'm going to have to cut it out. And then we said to each other, well, one day we're going to discuss old age. Uh, and the day has finally come. And it's a song that um, they actually gave a try when they were uh, recording uh, uh, Nevermind. So I think that's a good point to uh, start our discussion about this uh, this song. Here's um, like um, an, an, an outtake from Nevermind. I think that's the best Nirvana version that we've got of this uh, of this song. Again, this is like a, a, a scratch vocal, so it wasn't meant to be kept. It was just meant to guide the song. Yep. Uh, but in this way, I, I think it kind of works. Yeah. It's a bit. It sounds a bit almost insecure or vulnerable, or I don't know. I think it really. Uh, I really like the way Kurt sings it here. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the tone of voice is, is perfect for this song. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, I think the, the reason why we brought this song up so much uh, uh, is that we both really, really like it. Yep, it's great. Why is it one of your favorites? L- like you said, it has, um, especially in this version, there's a lot of, of feeling and vulnerability in it that I really like. Uh, also in the snippets of, of lyrics, However, you, you can understand them. Uh, there's some interesting stuff in there. And it has, um, like the chord progression is really nice. It's, it feels like, um, I'd say a Nirvana plus song. <laughs> so you hmm. sort of, you, you have that nice combination of the, the, the Nirvana sound that we love, but with some extra melodic, um, stuff in there that I don't think we've heard on other songs. It fits their catalog. I would have loved for them to to properly record this. It could have been on on unplugged. I think the the verse and the chorus, especially the differences in in the the, the sound and the melody, are really interesting. And it's sort of it's it's one of those songs that that really conveys feelings and emotions immediately for me. Yeah, I have the same same experience, and I don't really get why they never proceeded recording this song, or maybe picked it up later. No. Uh, I mean, for uh, in utero, they also um, brought in some older songs. So yeah, this could have worked on that as this well. One? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, old age in a in utero sound yeah. and recording style. That w- would have loved that, and also like you said, uh, maybe during the unplugged sessions, didn't they? consider doing this song yeah i think so i think it was mentioned somewhere but yeah yeah for some for some reason um they never did but there was somebody else who also liked this song <laughs> yes <laughs> somebody who gifted it to themselves yeah and that, that's a bit of an odd story um we're talking about uh, courtney love again um she uh, used this song and recorded it with her band hole 
and she put it on the B side of the single uh, Beautiful Sun. Mm-hmm. By the way, the picture of the single is uh, a childhood photo of uh, Kurt, but she didn't credit Kurt or Nirvana for the song, so no. that made some people a bit suspicious and angry. I th- guess mostly people that already disliked Courtney, but um, yeah, it's a bit strange. And I think she said, yeah, Kurt, Kurt gave it to me, but it's a bit weird not to just say written by. No, exactly. And, and she added some lyrics, which makes sense because the lyrics weren't really completed yet. Obviously, um, she can add or change lyrics if she wants to, if she records it. But the fact that she sort of first tried to hide that it wasn't her original and then said like, oh, he did some lyrics and I did some lyrics. And it sort of felt, let's say, less respectful than a lot of fans would have liked, which I uh, which yeah. I get. And the controversy even went as far as, as people saying that she deliberately changed some lyrics. I don't think that's really relevant and it doesn't really matter because like we said, Kurt's lyrics were like, half finished anyway but it yeah i can see why it feels off to a lot of people same here then again i mean kurt was still alive when this happened i mean you probably would have seen that single yeah and listened to it exactly and maybe he would maybe he did have a problem with it but i don't think he never publicly expressed that so maybe they had like an uh domestic row over it but um I, I don't know and maybe not even that because she actually recorded it twice let's first check out that um b-side version that uh that courtney and her band hold it If she really wanted to hide the fact that she took the song from Kurt, she would have at least changed the title. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, she changed, yeah, like you said, pretty much all of the lyrics. Um, but she um, had another shot at this song. I think this is where it gets really uh, interesting because on the first officially released uh, cover version of this song, she just started the song uh, just like Nirvana did. Uh, when they uh, recorded it for, uh, or tried to record it for, uh, for Nevermind. But the second time around, um, she used a bit of um, a different intro to it. So there's a whole different section added to it. And it sounds like this. So you might say, oh, that's interesting. She uh, wrote a new section to the song, but that's not actually the case because later uh, a solo acoustic demo version of Kurt uh, surfaced and that has that part already on it. 
I must say I really like what Courtney uh, did with that, but uh, it's not like she came up with that herself. Now, these are all demo versions and outtakes. Uh, it's very well possible that people listening to this think, well, hey, that sounds pretty familiar. And that's probably because uh, later, Courtney just cut off the um, introduction and put that in front of a completely different song that actually uh, made it to um, live through this, their big commercial breakthrough album. Um, they didn't re-record it. They just cut off that same recording yep. and, and pasted it, uh, put it in there. So then it sounds uh, like this. Yeah, and uh, then it goes into a credit uh, in the straight world, which, by the way, is also a cover song. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And uh, we could go on with it a bit more because later <laughs> Hall also played it on their unplugged version. And then there's an even different intro of old age. But I'm, I think I'd better um, put an end to my uh, uh, your monologue about this. <laughs> this is the uh, the old age tunnel that you're in now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And well, we waited a long time for it. <laughs> yeah. I've always found it really weird that Courtney just took off that opening and then just put it on something else uh, because it, it clearly doesn't fit. Um, I can't fault her for liking that introduction because I like it no, as well. It's Kurt Cobain version, but also in the whole version that that yeah, organ behind it is beautiful. I think that's her producer uh, during that time, Sean Slate. So maybe he thought of that as well. Um, he played it at least. And it's really good. Um, so I can get why she wanted to keep it, but just cutting it off and putting it on something else is like weird. But yeah. Yeah. And it, it is a shame that Nirvana didn't, didn't use that introduction yeah. when they were in the studio trying to do this song? Yeah, that, that, that introduction. I mean, I I love the song as it is. Like the first you played, like the, the way we know the Nirvana version. Um, I really like that. But this intro gives it even more of an edge 
from all of the songs that we've listened to and talked about uh, today, this is the biggest yes for me when we're uh, discussing uh, should it have been on uh, uh, Nevermind. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely. Yep, totally agree. So that means we have to kick off one of the Nevermind songs. Yep. That's a hard one. <laughs> you probably want to kick off Come If You Are again. <laughs> no, no, not, no, not this time. No. I think for me, it could have been the opening of the B-side, perhaps. Um, Instead of Territorial Pissings? Yeah, I think that could work. It could have been nice before something in the way as well. I, f I feel a sort of a emotional connection between those two songs. Mm. Oh, that would be a great combination. Yeah. And and a quite of a sad introvert ending of the album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so it would I'd take like, uh, the spot of uh, On a Plane. Yeah. Well, as you know, I'm not really partial to On a Plane, so I wouldn't cry too hard if that one disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. My my suggestion would be Lounge Act, I think. That could work. I can I can see this one then being followed up by Stay Away, that could be interesting to have a sort of a up-down <laughs> kind of feeling yeah. to the, yeah. Didn't your husband in the beginning say that it would be interesting if we would have disagree with each other more on the podcast? Yep. We uh, just can't seem to do it, can we? <laughs> no, it's a shame. We just, we don't disagree at all. It was like a really bad idea of you to ask me for this podcast, actually. <laughs> you should have. That, that's why people aren't, aren't sending us stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why Dave Grohl is calling us to no. do something with the Nirvana catalog and legacy. No, no. Such a shame. I guess we'll have to continue this podcast until we like really disagree. So could be like three episodes, could be 30, could be 300, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sooner or later it'll it'll happen. Yeah, but uh yeah, but uh, then again I think it's interesting that we uh, both uh feel so strongly about um a Nirvana outtake. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my absolutely one of my favorite songs and that's why it, it really puzzles me that they never really did something with it. No, especially because it it feels like the kind of song that that at least Kurt would also like to explore more because it feels like it's in that vein of of what he was working towards um like more more melody things like that yeah towards the end of his life that he talked about trying to do more folky acoustic songs and he even said well if only we could have if only i could write such as um, songs as good as uh, rem has done for automatic for the people that's the direction i want to go he had this song lying around and I think it's absolutely just as strong as that and stronger than I think most of the songs on Automatic for the People, which is by far my favorite R.E.M. album. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a strong uh, suggestion. But yeah, I, I, let me think about that. I don't disagree with you, you on that, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not saying I strongly agree, but I think... Maybe Courtney should have given this one to Michael Stipe because I can sort I was of thinking the exact hear same this. Thing. Yeah, I can hear this in the back <laughs> of my head, like being done by REM. Oh, that would have been nice. Ah, yeah. Maybe we can 
think of something to make it happen. <laughs> exactly. What is Michael Stipe doing these days anyway? I have no idea, actually. I don't know. Michael Stipe, if you're listening, <laughs> send us an email. <laughs> Tell us what you're doing. <laughs> or CDs. <laughs> and, 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 and send us a recording of this song while you're at it. Oh, that would be so great. Yeah. But um, no, of course, that's never going to happen. But uh, yeah, to be to be serious, I I, I do think this is uh, this is uh, like a, one of the biggest Nirvana hidden gems that's uh, that they've got. Yeah, for sure. Anything more you want to say about old age or? Uh, yeah, I just want you to play all idea. of those different versions. No, no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've got one Nirvana version left, uh, which is also something they recorded in the studio. It's an uh, alternative take. It's not as good, I think, as uh, the take that we uh, started the discussion uh, the discussion about this song with. But uh, I just want to throw in as much as I can. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's listen to that and then uh, end uh, this podcast. Yeah. Right, so that brings us to the end of uh, of this episode. Uh, I want to uh, thank uh, you, of course, for uh, podcasting uh, with me again. And agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say something like that. No, but uh, thanks, uh, thanks for uh, digitally coming out again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course, I want to thank uh, Joop Hullegi, also known as Nirvana Piano, for uh, providing our theme tune. And I want to thank everybody out there listening. If you want to um, respond to us or have anything to say or ask or comment or uh, whatever, you can do that by sending an email to surewoodpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, that's surewoodpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and that's facebook.com slash nirvanapodcast. Um, and of course, you can send us all your uh, copies of the Smells Like Teen Spirit single. And if you're Michael Stipe, you can also, uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not even sure how I'm going to finish this uh, sentence. Um, if, just... if, if you're Michael Stipe, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody out there, uh, thanks a lot uh, for listening. And uh, we hope you tune in uh, again next time. Bye. Bye.